And it's lights out. Go, go, go. And like the fat under the shirt of an obese American, we are ready to roll, baby. Coming off of the United States Grand Prix, as always, I am your host, Ian, along with my co-host, Marco. And let's get into it, Marco, because this was a special one, wasn't it? Yeah, I am still buzzing from this weekend. It was, I mean, awesome race, being there at the track, first time ever. I mean, it, it could not have gone any better. I mean, we had, let's think Let's think about what we had. Not too many overtakes on track, really, um, but an awesome strategy battle. You know, great little banter between drivers. We had Checo Perez fans out the wazoo in the stands. Um, and, you know, they obviously got what they came for in terms of a, of a Checo podium. I think this really had everything. You know, no, no big crashes, luckily. Everyone was safe. And, and, yeah, safe, good, clean racing, especially with the awesome top 1-2 uh, battle there going off right down to the very end. So um, let's get into it. We are going to go through a good, bad, and ugly of the weekend, go through a little race recap, and then a recap of our race predictions that we did last week. Michael, why don't you start off with our good, bad, and ugly here? All right, let's do it. Uh, so my good is going to be DJ Diesel, a.k.a. Shaq, a.k.a. MDE, yes, a.k.a. Osama Ben Shaq, a.k.a. the Big Aristotle, a.k.a. the Big Cactus, a.k.a. Shaq Daddy. Uh, he stole the show on Sunday, bringing the trophy in the back of a souped-up car, um, had the entire the giant bowl uh, horns in the front. So, yeah, uh, I think handing out the trophy, still being as tall as Lewis, basically being as tall as everyone up there, uh, was very comical to see. I got some great memes from that. Uh, and then, you know, just spinning records after the party, uh, DJ Diesel doing his thing. You could hear him from miles away from leaving the track, just him screaming into into the mic. I, I don't think you could have picked a, a better icing on the cake than having the one and only Shaq O'Neal, Shaquille O'Neal, representing the U.S. here. Yeah, like you said, miles away, because we were walking for quite a bit outside of the track and still hearing him doing his thing, so... Good, good stuff. Yeah, my bad is going to be traffic. This might not make sense for some of the listeners here, but for the ones that went to the track, so that just mere small 400,000 of them, my God. Two-lane back roads getting into this event is not the move. Uh, there was over double the amount of people here from 2018, so maybe that was, wasn't nearly as big of an issue back there, but definitely is something that they need to invest in. Uh, there was times where I could just kind of see downtown Austin from the track being like, you know what, it really isn't that far of a walk if we want to really kind of work that way just because I don't think we're getting anything here. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we were just kind of stuck. That was a, a big theme uh, pre- and post-race for uh, many people. But, yeah, I think that was a, a pretty bad, bad for, for us. We ended up having to run a couple miles to uh, to get to uh, the race on time on Sunday. So that was very fun, and my legs are still hurting from it. And my ugly, Martin Brundle, with his attempt to speak to Meg the Stallion. I don't know if anyone else saw these clips, but he was trying to convince her to get interviewed. Clearly, she was not wanting any part of it, and he was still like, well, it's going to fucking happen whether you like it or not. He's just walking her down the track, uh, trying to get her attention, trying to get uh, some questions answered. And then he goes on to say, hey, you're a freestyle rapper. Rap for me. Uh, Sir, I don't think you're allowed to do that. 
Then the only way it ends is by her bodyguard stepping in between, pushing him out of the way and out of camera sight. One guy goes, you know, you can't do that. And Martin, as he's walking away, goes, I can because I did. Uh, I thought that was an ultimate line that I'm going to start using a lot more often. Uh, definitely a guy that I don't want to fuck with. He seems like he can get a little testy if something doesn't go his way. Uh, I thought that was just good, clean family fun. Uh, and yeah, I was just, you know, Martin had to come out with a tweet kind of backing him uh, and just saying, you know, he's he's been nervous around people like Senna and Prost, you know, talking to bodyguard and stuff isn't something that he's uh, too afraid to do and that they should they were the ones that were being rude. Yeah, I, I, again, like, I think you kind of forget when you hear these guys in the booth and commentating so much that, yeah, this is a, this is a racing driver you're talking about. Like, he's just as ferocious as anyone. Um, and, yeah, then, then him having to come out and be like, look, she seemed nice. Like, the celebrities are often nice. It's just the people around them that could learn some manners. And it's like, like damn, sit them down, Martin. You know, put them in their place. Thought that was great. Uh, and, yeah, good stuff. Excellent for my good, bad, and ugly. Let's start with my good. This weekend was Danny Ricardo's weekend. From speaking in a southern accent for his pre-race media interview on Thursday, that got a bunch of attention, to getting to drive in Dale Earnhardt Sr.'s 1984 Chevy Monte Carlo, to wearing a Texas Longhorns basketball jersey being kind of the best dressed that day, you know, the beard he shaved in his face, getting Zach Brown to get Monza tattooed on his arm, uh, and even down to tying his fourth best result of the season in P5. This weekend, just like on track, definitely belonged to Red Bull and Max Verstappen. Off track, belonged to Danny Ricardo and only Danny Ricardo. For my bad, uh, listen, for a home race, a Haas team really sucked it up big time. Can't say that this was going to be a big surprise for us, but Massa Spin was out in full force, showing the crowd some lovely pirouettes like the talented little ballerina he is. Uh, he also had his headrest coming off into lap one, so we were wondering as we were in the stands, like, hey, why is, why is it only lap three and Mazepin is already down like 30 seconds on this? Um, but yeah, I guess he had his headrest coming off, bad showing from Haas as, a, as an entire team. Uh, Mick collided with Sergio in a session before the race and also got in the way of Max Verstappen on the last one to two laps. So obviously that ended up working out for Max since he got DRS out of it. But, you know, even on Mick's radio, the team came on and was saying like, hey, you know, tough weekend, but at least we got some some fried chicken. And I was like, okay, if that's, a, if that's the high point of your weekend, then obviously it's it's rock bottom and only up from here, hopefully. But, uh, but yeah, I think this is a great, you know, bottoming out and, and making sure that 2021 at the USGP can be kind of the, the worst of the worst. And who knows, maybe next year we'll see Haas have a completely different face on and, uh, and you know, maybe even get into the points, dare I say. But, uh, but yeah, let's not get ahead of ourselves there. As far as my ugly... Alpine's weekend uh, was not too far off from Haas's, to be honest. Fernando got about two minutes of practice during FP1 before red flags were shown. And then during the race, there was a double retirement. Alonso was, uh, you know, celebrating moves that he made that were clearly illegal, that he had to give back to Giovinazzi and Raikkonen. Um, you know, he got a good number of overtakes. Uh, I think he was number tied for number two in the Crypto.com Overtake Award for this past weekend. But I think a lot of that had to do with him overtaking illegally and then having to give the position back. So, yeah, I think just overall pretty forgettable weekend for Alpine as well as Haas. Going back to your bad, yeah, I, I thought listening to that radio of um, of the Haas pit boss ca calling into Mick, uh, talking about the fried chicken, I think Mick was like 
trying to be good spirits about that, but I'm pretty sure he was holding back tears as well because he just did not <laughs> seem excited at all. Like, it was just, it seemed, yeah, it kind of beat, beat down on him. And, like, talking about Haas and just kind of, like, the crowd excitement for them, I would say they've, they listed maybe around, like, five to six on the popularity of crowd reactions as they were going out. Like, the, obviously, they came out first. It's their home race, their home track. And, uh, yeah, I mean, got, you know, some cheers, but, I mean, if you talk, like you said, Sergio was electric. Uh, the crowd loved him. Max was huge. Lewis was huge. Uh, yeah, they just, it doesn't really seem like the U.S. cares too much about them. And maybe it's because of their lack of productivity. But, yeah, it just, it didn't really seem like a home track for them. If I was going there being like, hey, whose home track is this based off of people's reaction? Haas was lower on that guess of mine. Yeah, absolutely. I would say, I mean, probably upwards of like 80% of the people there were wearing some kind of F1 gear. Um, and of all those, you know, hundreds of thousands of people, I think I saw maybe four or five Haas, you know, either hats or shirts. So yeah, they got a, they got a long way to go to be like actually America's team and, and to be accepted by the Americans, I think. But yeah, like I said, only, only up from here. You can't go any further down, I don't think so. Exactly. All right. Well, that was an awesome, good, bad, and ugly. Moving right along to our race recap. So starting off with our practice and qualifying, Ian, you want to start us off? I do. Um, like we mentioned, Haas was kind of the, one of the main points here, a master class of Haas proportions. So Nikita spinning out for the fans, uh, finished about seven seconds behind during uh, FP1, was a bit shocking you'd think like obviously there'd be a gap but not a seven second gap behind that was just a little embarrassing but obviously a good foreshadowing of what was to come for him like we mentioned Mick also got in a little bit of trouble colliding with Sergio on the back straight um, as far as like good things that happened there Perez topped off both FP2 and FP3 sessions the fastest time really lit up that Texas crowd I mean there were tons of people cheering for Checo and he really gave him a good show um, and then I think kind of the highlight of all the practice and qualifying sessions before the race was Max coming on the radio, uh, calling Lewis. I think the exact quote was, ha, stupid idiot. Um, <laughs> I was after Great Lewis basically, thank you, basically raced him down to the main straight. Uh, and I think for probably a good like hour and a half, people were like, man, what is Lewis doing? But after further review, Verstappen overtook him like a few turns earlier. So kind of seems like Max is the one looking like the asshole here, oh, like passing somebody. Ian. I mean, I know. Say I that know. again. We have I it on know. audio. I want to hear this one more time. I, Ian, think that Max kind of looked like the asshole here against Lewis. I don't want to say that that was for the whole race, but just in this specific instance where Lewis uh, Lewis passed Max, I think he had you know all the right to pass Max if Max passed him a couple of, uh, of laps before. I think only if you're a driver on the track, you really understand like the gentleman's rules of, you know, hey, you, you did this to me, I can do this to you back. But yeah, you know, having a, we got a good quote out of it. You know, ha, stupid idiot is something that's going to be used in thousands of memes and definitely going to be uh, on the you know, Drive to Survive Season 3, which will not include Max Verstappen. So they'll definitely have radio messages of him, but not an interview for him to kind of explain himself. And and I think I would prefer that. Let's really let's really amp up this narrative of, of Max being the villain. Yeah, that definitely won't piss him off even more than he already was with F1 and Drive <laughs> yeah. to Survive. So, yeah, this is exactly what we're looking for. <laughs> yeah. 
All right, that's awesome. Yeah, um, yeah, I think you you summed up practice qualifying perfectly. Moving along to the race itself, um, and going into our fifth place team, Alpine. Uh, just tough. Like we said earlier, no points this weekend. They're only 10 points in front of AlphaTauri. So yeah, they uh, they got them nipping on their heels. AlphaTauri is starting to look a little bit better with, yeah, obviously Gasly had a tough showing, but uh, Yuki Tsunoda has been showing some good pace uh, over the, the last couple of weeks. Uh, like I keep saying, ever since he got that simulator, I think he's just a, a different driver. So uh, yeah, I think they got to kind of figure some shit out. Good action on the track for Fernando. Nothing to show for it, unfortunately. I think he kind of bumped, uh, you know, really pushed his car a lot. I think there was some uh, some bumping into the Alfa Romeos as well, so that might have put some damage onto his car. Like I keep saying, the only person I really have confidence in this team getting decent points is Fernando. Ocon is just, I don't know, like, you, you look him in free practice, you look at him in qualifying in the race, it's just nothing that you see. He You don't see him ever in the, the top six or so that we've seen Alonso getting every couple of weeks or so so yeah i think that obviously that that big four-year contract that they gave him i don't know if you're an alpine fan how excited you are uh, hopefully he picks it up hopefully next year is a completely different thing but yeah this year has not been the best after especially after getting a first place you know if you look at this from like i mean i'm i'm a you know in in sales once you hit your quota for points, you can kind of just take your foot off the gas, like literally and figuratively. So, yeah, I wonder if he's just at the point where he's like, "Look, I'm get, I got more points than you guys expected me to get, and we still have six or you know six races left in the year. So, I'm just gonna go ahead and uh, and and take it easy for this year and really come back strong next year." Yeah, enjoy your time. Yeah, hang out with the hosses. Moving on to the fourth place team, Ferrari, Charles Leclerc P4, Carlos Sainz P7. Uh, really, like, what a weekend for the Scuderia. Like, we were interested, I think last podcast we said we were interested to see what they could pull off, especially after Sainz got his new power unit upgrade recently, uh, and Leclerc has performed pretty well here in the past. Leclerc, in an interview after the race, called that performance potentially the race of his career so far, which I think you know there, there's a good case to be made. He was great in qualifying and, and really held his own during the race itself. So yeah, super strong showing for them. Now they're only four points behind McLaren. Like this is this is like what it's all about. It's it'd be a lot harder to watch these races if we were just kind of looking for you know three or four overtakes on track. But no, we're we're really there's a lot of skin behind uh, behind all these races. It is just so awesome to see that these you know potential lead changes are available within one race, especially like in the top two tiers uh, you know of teams. We got Ferrari and, and McLaren battling, and then Red Bull and Mercedes. It just adds a little extra flavor at, after every race, and you know the the stakes are just super high going into these last five races. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of the other team in that conversation, we have our third place team, McLaren. Uh, obviously, as we had mentioned, Danny came into Texas. The happiest of all drivers, maybe the happiest we've seen him since the last time he was in the United States. Um, he held his own against the Ferraris. I thought he had an awesome battle with Carlos Sainz for a couple laps, uh, making some contact at some point during the race as well. That did not fly well with Carlos. Uh, the stewards did not take a look at it. I think that they might have just should have at least made note of it. Nothing came from that. On the other hand, Lando did not have the best weekend. Uh, he finished qualled eighth, uh, Danny qualled seventh, and then Lando just finished eighth. So really was just kind of stuck there. That entire race did not have great pace uh, throughout. He was just, yeah, kind of there. Um, 
and didn't really seem like he was battling with anyone. So uh, he seemed really hard on himself, which understandably is so. Uh, he said he just made too many mistakes throughout the weekend and that uh, this is actually the furthest he's finished behind Danny. So uh, we'll obviously expect a bounce back from him. He, throughout this entire year, has been extremely consistent. And, you know, if he's going to finish eight and have a, a really difficult race and that at eight, you know, that's, that's not terrible, I would say. You know, we're expecting him to see usually, you know, between three and five, three and six. So, yeah, hopefully we'll uh, we'll see the the typical Lando that we're used to next week. Yeah, I mean, let's let's hope so because they do have, like we mentioned, Ferrari just chopping at their heels. So, uh, moving on to our second place team, twenty three points behind the championship leader for the constructors championship, we have Red Bull. Awesome showing for Red Bull. I don't think you could have asked for much more than what they got out of this weekend. Max Verstappen, P1. Sergio Perez, P3. Red Bull's 200th pole position. And obviously that double uh, double podium to give them that extra boost into, uh, into what was just such a celebration. I mean, I think I saw more Red Bull shirts and more Red Bull hats um, than, than any other team by far. Uh, story here really is, like we mentioned, there wasn't a whole lot of overtaking, especially at the front. Um, it was really just kind of a strategy battle. Uh, Max pulled an undercut pitting right around 10 or 11 laps. And that undercut was what really put Mercedes on the back foot. You know, having Sergio there to put additional pressure by going longer uh, than Max really seemed to put, you know, be the predictable but but perfect move. And, uh, and then toward the end of the race, Lewis was closing that gap pretty fast on Max um, just because he had a little bit fresher tires. Mick Schumacher, for all we've talked about him, uh, you know, kind of getting in the way, bumping with Checo, uh, he did end up, you know, basically handing the race to Max, um, giving Max, you know, some DRS since Max was within one second behind him. So that would get Max across P1. Not sure if that was accidental or not. I'm assuming it was. I'm assuming it wasn't on purpose. But some critics, Marco, including our Haas correspondent Ryan, are saying that uh, that it was maybe not just totally an accident, that maybe Mick was saying, hey, Max, I don't want Lewis to pass my dad's record. So, uh, so here's a little bit of DRS. Your thoughts. Was that possible? You know, I didn't uh, have any idea about that. I'm going to go with no. You know, I've been wrong before. <laughs> So yeah, just last point on Red Bull here. Definitely the winners of the weekend were both Red Bull and the Latino fans in the crowd. Just, you know, the shirts, the hats, the chants, the Checo Perez was was rampant everywhere. So Red Bull's ideal weekend. Yeah, and I think you're, you're forgetting a big aspect of uh, Perez's race. Uh, not having to drink anything at all during the entire race was uh, he kept <laughs> yeah. saying was his by far his difficult race he's ever had to perform, uh, especially with that heat. Uh, we were in the upper 80s that entire weekend, so him just having to endure that. Uh, there were some funny memes with that sign saying "When you drive, never drink," and clearly Perez was taking that to heart, saying you're not allowed to drink anything. But, yeah, I, I think that I could not imagine uh, after the race he seemed barely alive talking to his pit crew. So uh, good for him. I think that is that is wild. And talking about Perez as well, yeah, we clearly Perez was one of the most popular people we saw that weekend. I cannot imagine what next week is going to look like for him. I mean, I think it's, you're just going to hear roars specifically for him. So I think that's going to be very cool, something to try to listen to. Uh, that was it for Red Bull. Moving on to Mercedes. Valtteri Bottas taking yet another engine penalty, going from provisional pole with about two minutes left 
to starting in ninth. So he ended P4 and then that five place grid penalty for the combustion engine. Uh, put him really, you know, yeah, kind of on that back foot. He was looking extremely, probably one of the best in, in practice as well. So yeah, he did have some great pace. Uh, unfortunate, just kind of like last couple minutes that he, he dropped a little bit. Uh, and then yeah, throughout the entire race, did not make too much ground up. He was pretty much like catching up to Carlos Sainz for the back half of the race. He eventually did, but only landed him in P6. So yeah, definitely hurt them in the long run with uh, their their battle against Red Bull. Lewis was caught by having two Red Bulls with him in the top three. Something that we're typically used to seeing with Max these past few years with the two Mercedes sandwiching Max in between, being able to strategize around that, having one person do one strategy, the other person do the other, and then making Red Bull make the tough decision of what to do next. So, yeah, I think this is something that Lewis probably uh, has not had to deal with uh, for quite some time. But uh, obviously, you know, having that situation helps a ton. When Red Bull did the undercut, it did not take too long for Max to catch back up and retake that lead. Scored 13 points less than Red Bull this weekend, so the Charging Bulls seem to be closing that gap. And my question to you is, with five races left on the season, what will be a closer race? The Constructors' Championship or the Drivers' Championship? I would probably guess that the Drivers' Championship is going to be closer than the Constructors. I think, you know, once Valtteri doesn't have to start from, you know, what, what was it, P9, you know, once he can actually start where he qualified, it was only P4 this past weekend, but I think he's capable of more. Um, it's. I think we're probably going to see a little bit more of an even, you know, of an even scale there. And so, yeah, we're not going to have these weekends where Red Bull makes up 13 points in a weekend, right? Um, but uh, but I, I don't know. I, I say that, and then who knows? All it takes is one, you know, one DNF from Valtteri to really kind of shake things up. And like I said earlier, this is why it's so exciting. There's just so much higher stakes um, for you know every, every mistake or every you know. God forbid one of these top teams has a spin out. That's going to have massive implications for the overall title. So yeah, I, I if I ha- if you're putting my back against the wall and I got to pick, I'd say drivers. But who knows? What do I know? I'm an idiot. Yeah, there's really two. I mean, there's two routes that this can go. Where if Max starts pulling away from the drivers, that's going to in hand uh, get closer to the constructors. Uh, to, for everyone that doesn't know, Mercedes is. Oh, wait. For anyone that doesn't know, Lewis is down 10 points from Max in the Drivers' Championship, and Red Bull is down 23 points to Mercedes in the Constructors' Championship. So, yeah, 13 points uh, was a huge gap that they, they that they were able to make up. With the last five races, there was, uh, I think it leans more towards Red Bull's favor on the type of tracks they have in front of them. So I think that could play into hand a little bit too with Red Bull making maybe even a bigger push to kind of steal that constructors from under uh, from under Mercedes that uh, it, it seemed for the longest time for me, at least the last couple of weeks, that Mercedes was going to pull away with the constructors and we'll see with the drivers. But yeah, I mean, I, I think it's fair game for both sides. So uh, yeah, I, I, I could not ask for a closer constructors driver championship with the P1, P2, P3, P4 going at it. So yeah, this has been just an outstanding year on all aspects. Lot to look forward to Marco as we move into uh, kind of the last closing stages of the season. Um, speaking of a lot to look forward to, we got a pretty close race predictions battle coming up here. So why don't we get to that? <laughs> To catch everyone up, 
the score was Ian 17, Marco 19 prior to this race weekend and moving right along into it. Who do you think will crash our DNF? I went with Giovinazzi. I went with Pierre Gasly, so chalk one up for me. And then moving on to winner, I went with Valtteri Bottas. I went with Lewis Hamilton, so no points there. And then we had last place. Both of us went with Nikita Mazepin, so check points for both of us there. Most overtakes, I went with Fernando Alonso. I went with Sebastian Vettel. I believe this was before I knew that he was going to be starting from the back of the grid. So, uh, yeah, count that one for me again. Yep, yeah, I think both of our decisions were before we found out, like, Alonso and Vettel were both being in the back of the grid. Would have thought that it would have worked out for me as well. Unfortunately, one overtake short. Uh, Moving along to driver of the day, I tried to hedge you, uh, even though I made the choices first, so not really. But I went with Lewis uh, as driver of the day. And I went with Carlos Sainz, and Max Verstappen took this home. I think only Red Bull uh, drivers have gotten driver of the day since we started racing at Circuit of the Americas. So it could have been an obvious miss there, but so goes it. Yeah, and then our favorite race prediction, our douche of the day. Brought to you by Summer's Eve. For any new listeners, our Douche of the Day will get a care package by Summer's Eve. A really nice care package. My Douche of the Day was Kimi Raikkonen. My Douche of the Day was Fernando Alonso. I don't know if you can really call him a Douche of the Day. I think it was more his team, as you mentioned. Just having like kind of a sassy teenage attitude toward Michael Massey, who doesn't really make the final decisions. The stewards do, so... Yeah, I think uh, Fernando was a close, uh, maybe like a proxy pick, but um, but I don't think I can I can rightfully you know take points there. So we'll leave that one off the board for both of us. Yeah, and then moving right along to fastest pit stop minus Red Bull, I went with AlphaTauri. I went with Mercedes, and actually Ferrari coming up big here with the fastest might, pit stop. That in the might US. be one of the first ones. Yeah, wow. I believe it was. Yeah, Carlos Sainz had the fastest pit stop on his team, and although they also had super slow pit stop during the USGP, which I think was kind of the normal happening for them. I, I'm not sure they've had in the last five races like one single race where they haven't had somewhat slower of a pit stop. But uh, but yeah, Ferrari, congratulations. Yeah, all you need is one. And yep. then our last race prediction, we have our wildcard prediction. I went with a Gasly podium. He didn't even finish the race. <laughs> I went with four cars to DNF. Um, so also close. mark a little bit there. Yeah, pr- pretty close, but, yeah, uh, three. but no cigar. Yeah. And so that wraps up with uh, Ian with three points on this week race weekend and me one. So that changes a fully tied score of 20 to 20 in our race predictions. I mean, what what more can you ask for here from the race predictions? We have a close title battle for one and two, also a close constructors battle for uh, between Mercedes and Red Bull, and man, you and I got a battle where we're neck and neck, so we're the closest of them all. I, I don't know what I'm more excited for. I don't know either. But <laughs> uh, awesome, awesome. So that does it for our race predictions recap, and that does it for episode 36 of the Eaton Asphalt podcast. Do want to just give out a huge shout out to everyone this entire weekend. Uh, we came with some awesome outfits, some fun gear to pass out to people, and everyone was just such an awesome sport. Uh, very, very high energy. Everyone was just so much fun to talk to. So yeah, it was great meeting everyone over the pace over this last race weekend, and hope to uh, to see you guys soon. Uh, maybe next year in Austin. Maybe in about six months or seven months in Miami. Again, could not have asked for a better weekend and looking forward to the next time. Absolutely. And if you're a first-time listener, make sure to follow us on social media. 
uh, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Not a lot of action in TikTok yet, but we got a great, uh, great video coming. I think later today. So, uh, yeah, like like Marco said, things are brewing. Things, things are brewing. <laughs> we're, we're up to something. Big TikTok guys, yeah, get ready. <laughs> yeah, like Marco said, it was awesome meeting you guys, especially if you're a first time listener because you got a koozie or uh, you know a T-shirt or a sticker. Um, we we loved meeting everybody there, and we look forward to uh, to watching these last five races with everybody. So, thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, see you assholes. See you assholes.